And praise the Lord, everyone. It is so good to be in the house of God. And despite what the enemy is doing, he's not going to win. Uh, he has been fighting. And I plan on fighting back. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I won't be before you for too long. Uh, if you turn with your Bibles to two openings of Scripture, we'll be looking at Exodus chapter 20, um, verses 8 through 11. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. And we're also going to be taking a look at Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verses 8 through 9, and talking about uh, a very important subject, one that has been debated and disputed uh, throughout uh, the church for years, and I hope to bring some clarity and uh, help bless someone today uh, with this message. When you get to Exodus chapter 20, please say amen. Amen. Exodus chapter 20 verse 8 says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. I also want to look at Hebrews chapter 4. We'll begin at verse 8. Hebrews chapter 4, verse... Number eight, which says, For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not after it have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. Today I want to preach to a message entitled, Keeping the Sabbath. Keeping the Sabbath. I know that doesn't really strike you as something really significant at first, but uh, I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to preach this word unto you, and I believe it's going to bless you. And I want to enlist the aid of the Holy Spirit uh, to deliver this word, that it might have the maximum uh, effect in blessing the body and reaching the lost. Let us go to the Lord in prayer today. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your word and for your exceeding great and precious promises by them, O Lord God, that we are partakers of the divine nature. And Father, right now, Lord Jesus, we speak your blessing upon this service, upon this word, upon the message that you've given me to deliver to your people. And we come against every attack of the enemy. Though he has tried, he will fail. That no weapon formed against us uh, shall not prosper. It shall not prosper against us. It shall not be effective. And that every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn for this is the inheritance of the service of the Lord and this the righteousness is of me says the Lord and we right now we slap down we cut off every connection every inroad of the enemy today we break his hands we sever his power today his influence in the body of Christ and we release the very power of God to have, uh, to have manifestation in this house that let there be healings and signs and wonders and miracles and deliverance uh, that people might know that you alone are God that you still are a God of miracles uh, that you have not gone to sleep that You've not confined your power to the testaments of the scriptures, but, oh, God, you're living. You are the only living God, and that you live and breathe and, and work through us. We thank you and bless you and worship you. And in Jesus' name, let the church, the living God, say amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you today about the Sabbath. And as I stated earlier, that this is a topic that has been one of dispute and debate for many years in the church age, particularly even during uh, the apostolic age, that when the apostles were around, that it was contended as to what it really meant to celebrate the Sabbath, particularly as to whether or not we were to continue in the Sabbath since it was a part of the Torah, part of the law. 
Uh, but we, I want to really bring, in, bring us to our attention that, yes, we are to keep the Sabbath, but not in the way that is traditionally spoken of. And I want to talk to you about some of the rules that were, that were given on the Sabbath day. There's just three in particular I want to highlight. And as I said, before, I won't be before you for very long. Number one, one of the rules of the Sabbath day was that you were not supposed to do any work whatsoever. Gathering or carrying objects was off limits. You could not do any work. You'd think that'd be pretty easy to do. Uh, that, you know, that someone would tell you, you cannot work. You're not supposed to do any work. I would gladly take that day. <laughs> I would love to just sit around and do nothing and just kick my feet up on the couch. I would love to do that. You'd think that wouldn't be so difficult a command to follow, but for some reason the children of Israel struggle with this, that you were not supposed to do any work whatsoever, gathering or carrying objects. We see in Leviticus chapter 23, verse number 3. Leviticus 23, verse 3 says, Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest and holy convocation. Ye shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. We see this also echoed in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 21, where it says, Thus saith the Lord, Take heed to yourselves and bear no burden. Notice this. And bear no burden on the Sabbath day, nor bring it in by the gates of Jerusalem. Neither carry forth a burden out of your houses on the Sabbath day. Neither do you any work, but hollow ye the Sabbath day, as I commanded your fathers. That you are not supposed to carry anything. No, no carrying of objects or carrying any, any burdens. And you are supposed to do no work. That was rule number one. Rule number two was that you weren't supposed to kindle or make a fire. You weren't supposed to cook anything on the Sabbath day. We see in Exodus chapter 35, verse 3. Exodus 35, verse 3, which says, Ye shall kindle no fire throughout your habitations upon the Sabbath day. You weren't supposed to kindle any fire, make any food or anything, do any type of labor or work on the Sabbath day. Number three is that you weren't supposed to leave your house except perhaps to go to the synagogue or perhaps to go to the tabernacle or go uh, to the house of worship to offer a sacrifice. You weren't supposed to do any of those things. We want to look in Exodus chapter 16, uh, starting at verse number 4, because I want to show you where the Sabbath was first observed. The Sabbath was first brought into play in Genesis chapter 2 where God had created everything, and on the seventh day the Bible says he rested it and he hollowed the seventh day. But the first time that we see mankind actually observing the Sabbath and actually uh, following the rules that we know of that we see in the Scripture is not found until Exodus chapter 16, verse 4. This is the very first time that the Sabbath is ever mentioned. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they walk in my law or no. Now notice this. Now go down to verse 23. In verse 23, and actually while you're turning there, I want to give some more context in, as to what's going on here in the verse. So the children of Israel have just been delivered uh, from the bondage of Egypt, and they are now in the wilderness, and they are complaining regarding the fact that they don't have any food and they don't have anything to drink. And so God then says, I'm going to provide for you supernaturally bread from heaven. I'm going to rain bread down for you. Now what we find interesting here is that the very first time the Sabbath is mentioned or it is institutionalized or that it's observed or celebrated is in connection with the provision of the bread that came down from heaven. We see here in Exodus 16, verse 23, and he said unto them, this is that which the Lord hath said, tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath. This is the very first time that we see the Sabbath mentioned. Unto the Lord, 
uh, bake that which you will bake today and see that you will see then that which remaineth over over lay up for you to be kept until the morning and they laid it up till the morning as Moses bade and it's, it did not stink neither was there any worm therein and Moses said eat that to eat that today for today is a sabbath unto the Lord today ye shall not find it in the field six days ye shall gather it but on the seventh day which is the sabbath in it there shall be none. And it came to pass that, that there went out some of the people on the seventh day for to gather, and they found none. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long refuse ye to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for that the Lord hath given you the Sabbath. Therefore he giveth you on the sixth day the bread of two days. Then he goes on to say, Abide ye every man in his place. That's what I was talking about earlier, that the Sabbath, when you're celebrating it, you're supposed to stay in your house. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on on the seventh day, and the house of Israel called the name thereof manna, and it was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. So the very first time we see the Sabbath being observed by mankind was in relation to the manna coming down from heaven. Granted, the Sabbath did technically exist in Genesis when God had hallowed the, the seventh day, but it was not commanded to be observed or followed in the manner that we know of until this very incident. So the very first observance of the Sabbath was in relation to the bread or the manna that God gave to the children of Israel. And the rules and the regulations were centered around its collection. So the very first time we see these rules, is when God had given them the bread. He said um, that this bread is going to come to you every morning and that every day you're supposed to gather this manna and take it home and you're supposed to eat it. But however, on the sixth day, I'm going to give you twice as much manna so that you don't have to gather anything on the seventh day and that you're able to rest and simply just take in the manna that was given. Everything was surrounded uh, or was centered regarding the collection of the manna in regards to the resting on the Sabbath day. We see in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3 that God says and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knowest not neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live again now one of the reasons why God made these particular rules was to show if whether or not the children of Israel will obey the commandments that God had and you think it'd be very easy to rest but there are some people that they're like workaholics that they they need to work. They need to be doing something. There was a, um, back when I lived in Michigan, we had a, a neighbor. His name was uh, Mr. Daniels. And he was retired. I think he w- used to be in the military. And he was just always busy doing stuff. Always. He always had to have some project, something to do. And I remember this guy was, was, was so busy. He always was trying to make something to do. He'd find, find something to do even out of the most tedious tasks. So, for example, I remember one time I saw him shoveling snow off of his grass. Not off of his driveway, but off of his grass. One time I found him he was actually sweeping rain off of his roof. He just had to have something. He had to be busy. My, my mother's not here. He was always doing something. He, had to keep, he could not sit still. He had to be working something, doing something, because it drove him crazy. He could not just sit still and do nothing. And sadly, see, that, that's also the case with the body of Christ. There are many people, they have to be doing something. They don't know how to just be still and know that the Lord is God. Now, I'm laying a foundation here. Turn with me now to John chapter 6 because Jesus then begins to give us revelation and insight as to the meaning of this bread that came in the wilderness. John chapter 6, verse 30. John chapter 6, verse 30. 
the uh, people that are dialoguing here with Jesus were just fed the day before with the five loaves and the two fishes in the middle of the wilderness, kind of similar to what God did to the children of Israel. They crossed uh, the Sea of Galilee to find Jesus in Capernaum, and they are inquiring more of him regarding what they can do to work the works of God. We see in John 6, verse 30, They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert as it is written he gave them bread from heaven to eat then jesus said unto them verily verily i say unto you moses gave you not that bread from heaven but my father giveth you the true bread from heaven for the bread of god is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world then said they unto him lord evermore give us this bread and jesus said unto them i am the bread of life he that cometh to me shall never hunger and he that believeth on me shall never thirst now jesus is showing us the difference between the bread of the Old Testament that's in the Tanakh and the bread that is found in the New Testament and showing the law, the law of grace. That under the Old Testament, the bread that was given there could not produce life. The actions and the falling of commandments could not produce life. But the ingesting of the bread of life that truly comes from heaven, which is found in Jesus, which is under grace, it will produce eternal life. He says here in John six forty eight that I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are the and are dead. That if you eat of the bread that I provide, it will provide you eternal life. Now what I find to be interesting here is that in the Old Testament, the day before the Sabbath, the Bible says that God gave them extra manna. He gave them so much manna that it was enough manna to uh, to help them to survive for two days. And what I think is very intriguing here, that before God institutionalized the New Testament Sabbath, that he gave us a new type of manna. A manna that would sustain us for eternity. Not just for a day, not just for another month but for all eternity, the true bread of heaven, that God gave us more manna because from the day of Genesis all through the Old Testament, the law and the prophets God was giving the people of Israel manna, giving them word to sustain them, to get them until the the comforter could come, but when the true Sabbath was about to come, Jesus came, the true bread of life, to sustain them, not for just one day, but he wanted to sustain them for all eternity Now I want to talk to you today about the Sabbath. Now this, as I've stated before, has been a subject of debate for many years because as alluded to earlier, the Sabbath was spoken of in Genesis and so people say that we're still supposed to observe it. While we see in the New Testament that Jesus Christ had fulfilled the laws of Moses and that's when it was actually commanded for us to observe it. So it seemed that we don't have to observe it anymore. And this is one of debate that also was in the church. Turn with me to Romans chapter 14. This was not in my notes. I want to take a little side journey here. Go to Romans chapter 14 and look at verse number 1. Romans 14 verse number 1. Paul here is addressing the issue of personal convictions that were happening within the church. And there were disputes regarding what was actually law and what was personal conviction. Romans chapter 14, I want you to see this. It says, Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things. Another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, 
God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth, now look at this, verse 5. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Now here's the thing Paul is saying here, that it does not necessarily matter what day that you rest on or what day that you worship God. What matters is that you, you do it on a day in particular or any day, for, for example. So he said that some people, they esteem um, one particular day as being a holy Sabbath. Well, uh, some people say that every day is like a Sabbath unto God and we want to worship Him. Now the thing is I want to point out here is that in verse number 1, he makes a statement that there are people who have a weakness or a vulnerability in their faith. Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. The fact of the matter is that the reason why they were having this particular dispute is because people that were from Judaism that were used to following the law needed some sort of outward work in order to reaffirm their right standing with God. They had a weakness in their faith or we could say even a vulnerability in their faith where they needed some extra something to make them feel good and righteous in, in standing before God. And there are people that are in the church that are also similar, that they, they need some, something extra to basically reaffirm their right standing in God instead of truly just believing and trusting that God has made them righteous. Now with that in mind, I want to go over the, old, the rules of the Sabbath day. And also bring to your attention what, how we are supposed to keep the Sabbath in the New Testament. So in the Old Testament, the purpose of the Sabbath was for people to cease from physical labor to commemorate God's cessation from creation. That people were stopping to work to celebrate the fact that God no longer worked on the Sabbath. He had finished. He completed His work in creating everything. But in the New Testament, the purpose of the Sabbath is not to physically stop working. It's to spiritually stop working to commemorate God's co completion of redemption that we stop trying to do good deeds to try and satisfy our sense of consciousness or our sense of righteousness because God has completed his work of redemption in the Old Testament you stopped physically working so that you would not celebrate or so that you would celebrate God's completion of creation but in the New Testament we stop working our works of righteousness to get in good standing before God to celebrate his cessation or his completion of redemption that you don't have to do anything else to get God to love you you don't have to do anything else to be righteous before God, you just need to rest and believe that he has already done it. And that constantly, time and time again, we find people doing extra stuff because they have a vulnerability or a weakness in their faith to make them feel like that I'm in good standing with God. And God's like, no, 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 no. Just stop working and trust that I have made you righteous. Stop working and trust that I have forgiven you, that I've, I've cleansed you of all of your unrighteousness. Now here comes the good part. Those three rules I talked about the Sabbath. The first was you weren't supposed to do any work whatsoever. That meant gathering or carrying out. You weren't supposed to carry anything. You weren't supposed to do anything of that nature. You weren't supposed to do any labor whatsoever. Hebrews chapter 4 verse number 3. Paul, uh, the writer of Hebrews is addressing this issue. He says, for we which have believed do enter into rest. I want you to notice that. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place in the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that, that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of un 
belief. I want to talk to those of you who feel like that God does not love you. Who I want to talk to those of you who feel like that you're not in right standing before God because of some extra work or some commandment or something that you're not necessarily doing. The Bible said that when you truly have trust in the merits and the work of Christ, that you enter a state of rest, which means that you're no longer wondering, does God love me? Will God forgive me? Am I going to make it to heaven? Because your trust is not in your own works or your own actions. It's trusting in God. The Sabbath day is when we stop working and it's actually when God starts working. People did not enter into rest because of their unbelief. Now as as I was um, meditating on this message last night, this really struck me about why we as people of God, we never seem to get into a state of rest where we just trust God. We're always restless when a crisis or, or, or something is happening, a promise that we're restless. We're not at peace with God, not resting in God. And this really struck me. Last night, I was trying to put my daughter Gabrielle to sleep. She had not taken a nap all day. She was overly tired and extremely cranky. And for those of you who know children, they are irrational. They can be very belligerent and hostile when they don't get enough sleep. And th- for some reason, this little, the slightest thing would just set her off on a tantrum. So I'd gotten in the bed. We were laying in the bed trying to, rock her, trying to just rock her to sleep. And she said, I got to go to the bathroom. And so I got out of the bed. I ran out to the bathroom, to the toilet. And I, I went to go put on the, on the, on the, uh, the potty that was there. And uh, she was struggling to get her, her uh, diaper off and her, her shorts off. And so I went to go take it off. She's like, no, I want to do it. But I'd already taken off. And then she, that was it. <laughs> and she flipped out just flipped out just irrational just crying and stomping while she's sitting on the on the toilet because i helped her pull her shorts down so she could sit use the bathroom and from that point onward she cried and she was thrashing about and was mad and would not go to sleep she wanted me to rock her in the chair and i couldn't go in the rocking chair because my wife was in the rocking chair trying to get my son nathan to sleep so she wanted me to bounce. I was like, I'm not doing that. My back is hurting. I'm not doing that. Okay? I've done that before. I'm not doing that. You're getting in this bed. You're going to lay down. Go to sleep. So I got in the bed. And she's like, would you please just rock me? So I was doing stomach crunches like this in the bed. And I mean, once I started within, I'd say, 30 seconds, she was like. I'm like, girl, why are you fighting me? Why are you fighting me to go to sleep? Why do kids do that? I began to really think about that. Why is it? You know you're tired. And then she'll deny that she's sleeping. You know, she'll say, I'm not tired. Ah! She's just cranky and fussy. And and kids will fight you to go to sleep. I started wondering, why is that? Why is it that children fight to go to sleep? You know, what scientists have discovered, when children, as they're developing, particularly in their brains, they reach a certain stage of development, they want to know what's going on. And they're afraid of missing out. And so because of that, they're always looking around trying to, you know, my son is notorious for this. He'll be knocked out of sleep. As soon as I lay him down, he's like, and they start crawling around trying to get out of the bed because he doesn't want to miss anything. You know, people of God are like that. They don't want to rest in God because they're afraid that if they just focus on the word, they might be missing something that could be wrong. And they won't sleep. And, it's, and you're cranky, you're fussing, you're speaking doubt and unbelief, and you're cussing people out and have a bad attitude because you're not trusting in God to take care of the situation. 
And then the slightest thing sets you off and you're fighting. When God is just saying, why don't you just trust me? Why don't you just believe what my word says? I will carry you through this. But say we're fighting. We're fighting. We, we want to know what's going on. We want to know what's on Facebook. We want to know what's in the news. We want to know what, what cousin and auntie's doing. We want to get in other people's business instead of just resting and focusing on what thus says the Lord. We're constantly trying to work out stuff when it's time for us to stop working and allow God to work. What, the way that we celebrate and we keep the Sabbath is not to stop working physically, but to allow God to work spiritually in us. The Bible says in Ephesians 3.20, Now in him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power which worketh in us. The Sabbath does not mean that we physically do nothing. It means that we work harder because it's not us that's doing it. It's Christ that's doing it. Galatians 2.20 says that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That the things that I'm doing, the good attitude that I have, the words and the blessings that I speak, it's no longer me doing it. It's Christ in me doing it. I'm in a state of and people are wondering how on earth can you survive the trauma the crisis that you're dealing with it's not me doing it, it's Christ in me doing it because I gave up trying to do it myself a long time ago I'm keeping the Sabbath of Christ Hebrews 4 7 says this again he limiteth a certain day saying in David today after so long a time as it is said today if you will hear his voice harden not your hearts. Notice this, that God had to really emphasize the fact of don't hard your heart. Don't close your ears this idea of resting. I know you feel like you're not good enough. I know you feel like there's more that you should be doing in order to be in right standing with God. I know you want to be busy and getting involved in stuff, but God is just saying you need to rest in me. You're making things worse. You're making things harder on yourself. If you would truly enter into a state of faith and trusting that I'm going to bring you through the crisis, carry you through the problems and answer the situation if you just put your trust in me and enter into rest you'll be able to do more asleep spiritually than you are physically awake God will begin to do more work in you and through you when you're just resting instead of you trying to figure it out yourself now remember I said that on the Sabbath day you are not supposed to do any work and you are supposed to not carry anything verse 8 says for if Jesus had given them rest then would he not afterward have spoken of another day there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God for he that is entered into his rest he also have ceased from his own works as God did from his I have ceased from my own works of righteousness I have ceased from my own works of wickedness as well I no longer do the things I used to do I no longer sin in the way I used to because Christ is now working in me because I've stopped and he has now come alive inside of me. Remember I said that on the Sabbath day you're not supposed to carry anything. You're not supposed to carry or, or lift any burdens. And the reason why because Christ now is lifting the burdens. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 verse 4 that surely he hath borne our griefs and he hath carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him 
stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes that we are healed. Matthew chapter 11, I believe verse 28 says, Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn of me for I'm meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls. If you would put your trust in Jesus and instead of the hand of man you would find rest. You're not supposed to be carrying your sorrows. Jesus carried it at the cross. You're not supposed to be carrying your sickness. Jesus carried it to that whipping post. You're not supposed to be carrying your worries. Jesus bore it all. He suffered it all because I've entered into the Sabbath rest in Jesus Christ. Be still and know that he is God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Number two, about keeping the Sabbath. You are not supposed to kindle or make any fire. You aren't supposed to kindle any fire or cook anything. Now what's interesting is that when the true manna came from heaven, which is Jesus Christ, that the Bible said that he sent a comforter that would cause us to rest. And this comforter would kindle a fire unlike anything else. It's not a fire that comes from man. It's a fire that comes from God. Matthew chapter 3 verse 11 says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. On the Sabbath day is a day where I see for my work. When I try stop trying to be righteous myself and trust in the merits of Christ, God is the one that prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy. God is the one that starts the Holy Ghost fire to burn inside of me, to provide for me, to incinerate all of the enemies that have been assigned to me, to stop all the things that the devil is trying to work in my life. And I enter truly into rest. Isaiah 28 verse 11 says, for his stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, this is the rest Whereas ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear. And this, of course, is referring to speaking in other tongues. That whenever you are received the Holy Ghost and the Comforter comes to give you rest from your burdens, rest from your sorrows, rest from your sins and your sicknesses. The Bible says it gives you a language of stammering lips in another tongue. And through this you, are, you walk into the rest of God. Finally. I'm closing. I told you it won't be very long today. You aren't supposed to leave your house except to go to the synagogue or to the tabernacle. And the cool thing is on the Sabbath day that we don't necessarily have to go to a church or go to a tabernacle to experience the rest of God. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't come to church. What I'm trying to say is this, that in the Old Testament, you had to go to a place, a specific place to worship God. You had to go to a prophet or go to a priest uh, to find, uh, to get a word from God. But in the New Testament, Jesus said in John chapter 4, verse 23, that God is seeking true worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth. And that you don't have to, he was talking to the woman at the well who was saying that we're supposed to worship on this particular mountain or that particular mountain. Jesus like, you don't need to do any of that. Because the thing is, my purpose in giving you rest when the Holy Spirit comes, uh, that I will be able to dwell with you and be in you perpetually to give you rest. Uh, so you don't necessarily have to find a priest or an apostle, hallelujah, to lay hands on you, but you can drink from the well of living water that lives inside of you to get your rest. So to sum up, I'm closed. Let's stand. I'm done. Torch wasn't be very long. We want to keep the Sabbath. 
But the Sabbath we're keeping is not one of the creation. It's the one of the redemption. The one of creation made you stop from physical labor. The one of redemption causes you to stop from spiritual labor. And I want you to understand that the one of redemption, the Sabbath of redemption, is greater than the Sabbath of creation. You say, well, how can you say that? I want you to, to, to examine the work that God did before he completed each task. With creation, God only spoke a few sentences and the entire universe was here. And that was the end of it. With redemption, what work did God have to do to redeem us? Was it just speaking a few sentences of let there be's? Or was it leaving the grandeur of heaven and being confined to a human being and suffering immeasurable torture for the sins and the wickedness of humanity? Think of the cost that Jesus or that God had to pay in order for man to experience redemption versus creation. God had to work a lot harder to achieve the completion of redemption as opposed to creation. Which is why that when we celebrate the Sabbath, in spiritually speaking, that we aren't ceasing from physical labor, but we're ceasing from spiritual labor. We're no longer trying to work and trying to earn God's merit or God's favor through our works, but instead we're trusting and believing on God to complete the work of redemption in us. Now, I don't know who this is for, and maybe your issue isn't necessarily dealing with insecurity in relation to God, but it could be in relation to something else, that there's an issue that you're holding on to that you're unwilling to trust God with, and you're restless and you can't sleep at night and you can't get any peace in your mind or in your spirit. And God is saying, will you enter into my rest? The one thing that is stopping you from walking into the promised land is unbelief. That's why the children of Israel never got their promise was because they heard the word of God preached, but it was not mixed with faith. And because of that lack of mixture of faith with the word of God, they were denied the reward of walking into their promise. Do not allow, allow the enemy to stop you or thwart you from walking into the promise of God. Now, I'll tell you, one of the things that stopped them from walking in the promise of God wasn't just their unbelief. Their unbelief was a symptom of something else. Their unbelief was a symptom of a lack of gratitude. The reason why they did not believe that God could get them through to the promised land because they were so ungrateful and forgot about all the other things that God had done prior to that point. They'd forgotten about, about how God had turned uh, 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 the river Nile into blood. They'd forgotten about the plague of frogs and the pl plague of gnats and flies. They'd forgotten about the plague of darkness. They, they forgot about the death angel that wiped out the Egyptians. They forgot about the Red Sea being parted. They forgot about the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud. They forgot about the bread coming down from the sky and the quail coming from, from the sky. They forgot about God opening up a rock and causing water to flow out of it to, to quench the thirst of an entire nation. They did not acknowledge any of those things. And so when they saw their current crisis, they were brought into unbelief because of their lack of gratitude. I want to tell you right now that the fastest way to enter into God's rest is to start thanking and praising him for what he has done. Because when you think about the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for you, how can you not trust him? How can you not believe him with the current crisis that you're dealing with? You're restless. You can't get any sleep. You always feel there's something I'm missing. You're like my, my daughter and my son last night. Always looking for something else to get to satisfy you. When everything you need is found in Christ. If you would just trust him. And trust him to make you righteous. To trust him to make you whole. If you would do that, you would enter into rest and you would be truly keeping the Sabbath. I'm not keeping the Sabbath by me staying home. 
or me not physically working. I'm keeping the Sabbath by not spiritually working. Not trying to work myself into God's good standing by doing works of righteousness and good deeds. You could save a thousand babies from a burning hospital. That gets you no points with God. Because by nature we are sinners and we are corrupt and we are in dire need of a Savior to change and to transform our nature. By nature we are sinners. It's not that, we're go that people go to hell because of a bad deed. They go to they're going to hell because of a bad and corrupt nature. And only Christ can transform the nature of mankind from sinner to righteous. And that can only occur whenever we fully put our trust in God. I'm doing like what pastor does. I'm preaching more while you stand up. <laughs> like father, like son. Trying to quit. Last example, I'll go take my seat. You guys have probably heard me say this before. One of the things that frustrates me as a parent is changing diapers. Especially changing my son's diapers. I think he might be the worst out of all of them as far as it comes to that. Because this kid, as soon as I lay him on, on, the, on the floor or lay him in the changing mat, that boy is gone. Just rolling and trying to escape. Doing everything he can to get out of my grasp. I'm just trying to, you know, I'm taking the diaper, doing all this stuff, and he's kicking. He does this thing. He does some sort of, I don't know, judo move. He's like doing this thing with his leg. He, he grapples my arm and moves my arm out of the way so I can't change the diaper. And then he does this thing with his head when he cranks his head back to lift his body up so he can spin over and roll over. Drives me crazy. As a parent, my job, especially when he's made a mess of himself, is to change him. It's my job whenever he makes a mess is to clean him up. And granted, my wife does a lot more, but you understand what I'm saying. I still do it. When my, my, my son gets fussy and he's cranky, it's because he is sitting in a mess that he made. Now, I'm not surprised that he made the mess because that's what babies do. They make messes. I'd be very surprised if one day I saw my nine-month-old son getting up and taking the diaper off and getting the wipes and wiping himself and, because he is incapable of changing himself. He does not have the mental faculties to change himself. He has to call for a parent, I'll use myself as an example, to change him. Whenever I try to change him, though, he fights me. He kicks and he screams and he hollers and he does everything. He, he grabs the diaper. He puts his hand in the poop. And then he likes to smear it on me. I hate that. I could change him. The changing process would go so much faster if he would just sit still and just rest and do nothing. If he would just sit still and quit squirming and quit fighting me, I could change him so quick, it'd be, just, it'd be easy. It's because he's trying to escape and trying to do things in his own way that there's poop on me. And the mess gets bigger and smellier. Think about that with God. If you would just sit still and just let God change you. If you would just sit still and stop struggling, stop fighting God, but just trust him. Now, of course, no one likes to be changed. No one wants to be stripped naked and have all their mess exposed and then have something very cold and uncomfortable being rubbed in the most intimate parts of your body. It's uncomfortable. He doesn't like it. No one likes God to get intimate with us and to open up our hearts to see what's really there. We don't want God to see the mess and the junk that's there. But God says, I have to do it. If I don't change him, he could get infected. He could die. If you don't let God change you, if you don't rest in God, you could become infected with sin and you could die. Will you allow God to change you? Quit fighting God. Quit because all it's doing is just spreading the poop. <laughs> That's all it's doing. 
It's just making the mess worse. But when you trust God, you put your faith in him, that is when God can make the change instantly. Will you do that today? Will you put your trust in him and really keep the Sabbath and rest in him and allow God to transform your life? God bless.